0: Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? You told us when well, it going to be time to panic. Well, is it time to panic? Well, let me just tell you, folks, it's never going to be time to panic. Because we're never going to give up. We're not going to give up on America. America is worth it. America is worth it for. America's worth not giving up. And while we have that attitude of not giving up, we are constantly going to be searching, strategizing, coming up with ways to prevail. We've got the basics. We have have millions and millions of Americans that are fed up. Can't wait to do something about it. There will be a series of ideas that people come up with based on Dealing with the fraud that we know we have to deal with? You're not alone. You're not a singular individual all by yourself out there trying to fight these people by yourself. There are 74 million plus and growing. We're not going to give up on America. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program.
1: Well, it is a delight to welcome you to Hour 2 of the Wendy Bell Radio program. You know, we are one and a half million podcast downloads strong. And that is huge. And we are so grateful to you. Wendy Bell Radio, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, give us a download. Give us a share. Give us a follow. How about a five-star review? Because this is how we change our country. We have to start talking about the things that matter. And I have to say to you. Maybe it was because I was naive. Maybe it's because I approach virtually everything I do through the lens of a mom. But I used to believe that our love of our children was one of the unifying forces through which we could find similarities. A bridge, if you will. That no matter how you vote or how you feel about this country, or your role in it, that the minute you have that child in your arms, shoot, the minute you feel that first movement, everything changes. But that went out the window for me and it was hard during COVID. What they did to kids, keeping them home, the stupid masks, watching my kids, my youngest sons at the time, twins in the eighth grade playing basketball with stupid masks on, And it's like, where was all of the pushback? I remember walking into the gym and seeing the parents, many of whom I really liked, sitting in a corner reclusive by themselves, right? Trying to keep distance from everybody, wearing masks. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know better. Where is your mind? Where's your common sense? Where is your decency to your kids running around wearing masks? How absolutely stupid. Right. And then and then it got worse. The kids got back to school and then all of a sudden they're being groomed into social justice wackos and they're being cultivated by by teachers and administrators whose goal isn't to educate, but rather to indoctrinate. And then we have people like Gavin Newsom, who's like, come one, come all. If you would like to mutilate your body, children and your parents aren't for it, come to our sanctuary state what and people in california aren't like you know uh that dude's bad can we get rid of him? like where is everybody but this thing going on at the border you know i I can't imagine sending any of my children on a dangerous deadly awful Journey. I can't fathom how desperate I would be to, to say, go, and I'm going to put you in the hands of somebody I don't know. I'm going to give them every ounce of money I have and roll the dice and hope that you get there and aren't raped along the way. I mean, what are we doing? And then the New York Times came out with 85,000. Secretary Mayorkas, wh- where are the 85,000 unaccompanied minors that apparently you guys have lost track of, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? That's woefully unacceptable. And what did the New York Times find? These kids are in servitude. They are moved along, processed expeditiously. So there's no log jam, right? The optics would be bad. We don't care about the human being who is a child whose most basic formative years now create the individual the building block of the individual they will become and we're gonna allow them to be victims of sexual trafficking and and labor they should be in school they should be kicking a soccer ball playing with Barbies Learning how to write and to read and to think and to dream and to be. Right? So, when this gal sat before this Senate Judiciary hearing and her job is to be the head of the Office of Refugee Resettlement, that's your job, lady. This is who you are. This is under your purview. Like, would you be able to sleep at night knowing that 430,000 minors? Came across our border since Joe Biden took office? It's that pervasive? And that there's no system of knowing where any of them is? Uh, there is not a salary in the world you could pay me to make me say, that's worth it. You betcha I'll do that. This gal does. does. Her name is Robin Don Marcos. Again, she is the Office of Refugee Resettlement Director. And speaking to her right now is one of my favorite people, Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri so apparently when these miners come across the border and they are being processed and then shooed away to go fend for themselves there is a video that they watch where they're instructed on their rights this incenses the senator and her answer to his questions adds fuel to the fire listen
2: Ms. Marcos, can I just start with you? You testified a moment ago to Senator Butler that every child gets a know-your-rights presentation. Is that correct?
3: That is correct.
2: Is that before or after you release them to labor traffickers?
3: Senator, every child that comes into our care gets a know-your-rights presentation as well as... Have you read
2: these New York Times reports, these stories, the, the series of stories the New York Times has done on the children who are in your care, have you read them? Yes, I have. Have you read that children are scrubbing dishes, they are operating heavy machinery, they are delivering meals, they are harvesting coffee, they are working construction, they are working as housekeepers, they are working overnight shifts at plants where they are not paid, they are not going to school, they are not cared for, they are not giving meals, almost all of it illegally, are you aware of that? That's a yes or no. Yes. Do the Know Your Rights presentation help them in those situations?
3: Senator ORR.
2: That's a yes or no, I think. Do you really think that you're helping these children by releasing them to labor traffickers and yes, sex traffickers, 85,000 children whom you have no contact with, and your answer is, we gave them a presentation before we turned them over to these people who are exploiting them on a scale not seen in this country for a hundred years, a century.
1: (sighs) Amen. I'm right there with you, brother. I'm right there with you. You got to be doing some vetting, right? You've got to know something about the people into whose care these children are being sent, right? It's not just a free-for-all. You're just like putting them on the train and say, go, and good luck with that. Roll the dice. Hope it works out, right? You're doing something to check out these people who they're going to be living with, right? Audio soundbite number two.
2: Do you require sponsors to document their relationship with the child?
3: Senator, we have a thorough vetting process. Do you
2: require which- sponsors to document their relationship with the child?
3: Yes, we go through No, you process. do not.
2: You, you do not. Have you read the Senate's Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations reports on your office? There was one in 2016, there was one in 2018, there was one in 2020, there was one in 2022. Spanning administrations, what they found is you do not require sponsors to document their relationship with the child. You release them anyway. What about background checks? Do you require background checks on all adults in the household?
3: In cases where the child is being released to their parents, we do not require um, background checks. But Senator, I would do you, do you really require like background that,
2: checks on all adults in the household in any case?
3: Yes, in some cases we do. How, what
2: percentage of cases do you do background checks on the adults in the household?
3: I I don't have that
1: number. Yeah. For me. I I don't have that number. She looks bored. She looks as she's annoyed that she's being forced to sit there. Her eyes are at half mast. She's like. Right? She's just, why are you bothering me? Is this the person you want as the liaison between people who are from foreign countries coming into, whether you want them here or not, right? And I don't, period. This is the person who you have in charge, this drip of a zero? Does this woman have children of her own? That would be a big help because then maybe she had a a clue about what this is like? No. Can't answer the questions. I have no idea, ladies and gentlemen, she says. And then how about this one? Audio soundbite number three. Very simple question. One would think, because this happens in the foster care system. People pop in on you. You got a home visit. Make sure everything's okay. What about these migrant kids? Listen to this.
3: We do not do home visits in all cases. Senator, I'd really like the opportunity to talk about what we are doing. You
2: know, I know later. what you're doing, and it's it's incredibly and totally inadequate. And we can read about it in the New York Times.
1: Uh, Senator, I'd really... No, we don't do home visits. We're not bothered by that sort of stuff. But I'd really like to tell you about my pre-prepared speech that I was given notes on because somebody wrote it for me so I can tell you how great we are. Well, I'm not interested in that, says Senator Hawley. And then he's going to ask the question of the day. And she has no idea what to say. Don't miss it. It's next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. All right. So, uh, Ms. Robin Dunn-Marcos, the uh, director of the Office of Refugee Resettlement, through which 430,000 unaccompanied alien children have been processed since Joe Biden, right? She took office September of last year. Not all of them through her, obviously. So here's Senator Hawley from Missouri asking her, you know, you guys have done such an absolute abject failure job at this whole thing. It's truly amazing. Have you read these New York Times articles, ma'am, that show that you guys don't even know where 85,000 of these people are? These children? You have no idea. I've read the reports. Yes. Well, are you aware aware that many of these children are working in sweatshops? They're de-beaking chickens at 3 in the morning on an assembly line? did you know that i i know that well did you warn javier becerra the genius that he is who's in charge of your department right did you tell him at health and human services did you tell him that this is going on with children listen to her answer
2: did you warn the secretary that children were at risk
3: Senator, I'm in regular contact with the secretary Did and you warn state. him
2: that children were at risk?
3: Safety and well-being of children is our top priority. Did you
2: warn him that children were at risk?
3: I'm not going to get into the conversations I've had. You're
2: with here, the and you're under oath, and this is an oversight hearing. And we need to know what you're doing, because you're manifestly not doing your job. Did you warn but him that un- children were at risk? Do you believe that children are at risk? Let's start with that. Yes. OK, did you warn the secretary?
3: Senator, I'm not going to get into the specifics of my conversation, but I would like the opportunity. Why wouldn't to talk you about, warn
2: the secretary that children were at I would risk? like the
3: opportunity to talk about what we let's look at doing. what
2: the secretary said to you.
1: I would like the opportunity to tell you about what I want to talk about. The safety and the well-being of children is our top priority. Right. That's like somebody beating you up and then giving you roses and saying, you, re- you know, you really shouldn't have made me. I'm so sorry. Uh, I really care about you though. I do I do. I love you. Please forgive me. Here you go. OK It's disgusting. This is the one, though. This is the one that creates it eliminates all doubt that what's going on at the border is a mill. You've heard of puppy mills. We have a people mill. We have a child mill. Get in the kids. Bring in the kids. Get them out there somewhere. Don't care where they go, what happens to them, whatever. Because a lot of people along the way are getting paid. Final soundbite, go.
2: At least five HHS staff members said they were pushed out after raising concerns about child sec- safety. Mr. Becerra, that's the secretary, told the ORR director, that's you, right? That if she could not increase the number of discharges, he would find someone who could. And then he went on to say that if Henry Ford had run his plants like this, he would never have become famous and rich. This is not the way you do an assembly line. Get the kids out, run them through, get them out to those sponsors, those traffickers. Why didn't you resign when he said this? Do you think that this is morally acceptable?
3: Senator, I joined ORR in September of 2022. I believe that was reported prior to my arrival, but I cannot speak This is from an
2: article this year.
3: I can't speak to what the secretary...
2: Do you think that this is acceptable to run run ORR like an assembly line and to release these children to traffickers? I can assure you we
3: do not run ORR like an assembly line.
1: I can assure you we do not run ORR like an assembly line. This is what happens when you check boxes, rather than actually hire people with talent. This woman ought not be anywhere close to children. But if you're gonna carry the water of your party of suck for the administration of suck, well, there you go. You know, I just wanted to read this quickly to you. One of those headlines after yet another shooting. And by the way, I should say, On America Has a Gun Problem, let's just remember. The Uvalde shooter was mentally ill. The El Paso shooter was mentally ill. The Parkland shooter, mentally ill. Lewiston, mentally ill. Nashville shooter, mentally ill. The Fort Hood shooter, mentally ill. Sandy Hook, Virginia Tech, mentally ill, mentally ill. Maine, mentally ill. Guns don't kill people, ladies and gentlemen. Mentally ill people do. And criminal thugs do. Law-abiding citizens do not. And this just quick headline for you, as the case might be, from Headline USA. 70% of criminals released early by Kentucky's governor have reoffended. You don't feel safer because his governor put thousands of criminals back on the street. So there you have it. Don't worry about the, about the people who are actually the criminals here. Worry about the law-abiding citizens who are armed and trained and ready to roll. And whatever you do, make sure you demonize the guns. Don't try to take them away. I warn them. I warn them all right coming up on the wendy bell radio program my friends we are live with our wendy bell radio network correspondent wayne peters from canada did you hear that justin trudeau is advertising promoting child suicide wait for it next I want to get right to it because we do have our Wendy Bell Radio Network correspondent in Canada, Wayne Peters on the horn. Wayne, uh, it's been a while since you've joined us, my friend. So first, welcome back. And secondly, uh, you're, you're living in a very scary place. And I know I don't have to tell you, but I, I do want you to explain to everybody listening. You, you really live in an area that has lost its mind. Oh, well,
4: good morning, Never Neverland. Yeah, it's been a minute. Um it's it, and you know it's people think that Canada is just quiet sleepy little place uh, until you live here for a minute. Um, it's uh, every minute seems to be from one minute to the next a progression of insanity, and uh, the whole world must be thinking, "Oh, this must be the one he's done. This must be the one that he's done." But every single day, it seems like he finds a way to top the insanity and to wriggle and writhe his way through it, and. Uh, over the last uh, probably month or so it has just been beyond the pale of imagination even as to what kind of absurdities yeah. and insanities this man has pushed through and it's 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 even hard to fathom when you're standing in front of the fire these days at this
1: point tell it's, everybody what Justin Trudeau most recently the thing with children and and and, and basically Euthanizing, allowing them to kill themselves or allowing parents to just, like, let their kids off themselves. Young age, what is this?
4: Imagine a parent getting an email uh, from a doctor saying, we put down your child's today uh, because they asked you for it, uh, uh, asked you to do this thing for them, and uh, you were not compelled by law to tell the parent. Uh, this is what they're looking at enacting in, in now uh, for children as young as 12 uh, to be able to decide for themselves without parental consent that they want out of this world. And uh, going into this fall session of, of Parliament here in Canada, Uh, I I genuinely believe that this Israel-Hamas situation was uh, exactly what this man needed because it has sucked all of the oxygen out of the room for the things that he intends on doing here in Canada over the next fall session uh, before he's forced into an election because this man is uh, crushing uh, his party, Uh, everything is coming apart, the oversight committees um, are blatantly uh, dismissing charges, ethics charges, criminal charges against this individual. He is making his move to full dictatorship. Uh, the censorship uh, bill is one of them that is coming up on the table this fall, as well as an expansion of the medical assistance in death uh, bill. So they want to bring this medical assistance in death bill up to the point where you uh, Young,
1: Where it's normal. It's normal. Yeah. Hey, you're having a hard time with puberty. Welcome to the club. Everybody did. Right. But now, if it just gets a little too much, we're going to let you just end it all. Tell me about the, the squeeze on you and other journalists. Like, what are you facing now in Canada, Wayne?
4: These, these, these two subjects actually, I believe, intersect in the very near future. Now, what the government is doing with this medical assistance and death situation is, uh, they're now expanding it to, uh, drug addiction, uh, personnel, people. Uh, the Federal Housing Authority has just requested permission to allow dope dealers to circulate among the tent cities rather than provide housing for them. The solution is to give them more drugs, uh, because they are mentally incapacitated, which is going to be part of the pro- of the process of maids. If you don't feel good or if you are mentally unfit, you can be taken out. If you are a danger and a threat to the people around you, you may be taken out. The next censorship Bill Evolution says that uh, disinformation is now a crime, will be a crime of of punishable up to 20 years in jail and $100,000 in fines. And this is how they set up this disinformation. Here in Canada, Hamas has been designated a terrorist organization for 22 years. CBC just comes out and says... No mainstream outlets in Canada are allowed to describe them as terrorists. They are freedom fighters. Oh
1: my God. If I
4: go out and call them a terrorist, I am now providing disinformation and I am subject to 10 years in jail or a $100,000 fine, or if I'm dangerous enough, I will be able to probably be put down by the state. This is where Canada is very, very quickly getting towards.
1: This, is, this, is, this, this is crazy, and you heard him say maids. That's medical assistance in dying. This is this normalizing of, you know what? Uh, this is Kevorkian 40 years later on steroids. That's what this is, and, and what the hell? Everybody can do it. You know, if you can't pay your bills, you, you, you're falling behind on the rent. Uh, well, here's a pill for you. That's disgusting. How about no more prayer in your military? What the heck? <clears throat>
4: Yeah, uh, as if Christianity wasn't uh, under assault enough, uh, they have just deemed here this week that there will be no uh, prayers allowed at any military memorial events or uh, any events that that include military participation, Uh, prayers are being banned. Uh, So not only are we not allowed to remember these individuals, but we're supposed to ignore their faith when we send them off to die. Uh, this is the respect that our government has for our, our service personnel. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, along right behind uh, offering them uh, medical assistance in death if they want any veterans benefits. Our state broadcaster literally produced an article that said medical assistance in death will be a way to help us balance our medical budgets in Canada.
1: Justin Trudeau calls it honorable. <laughs> What? Uh,
4: uh, honor killings. Yes, actually quoted in 2013 as saying that honor killings should not be deemed barbaric. Uh, they should be more responsibly represented and discussed. Oh my God. This is your neighbor.
1: How about this re education of some of your <laughs> lawmakers? This is Calgary.
4: Yeah, Calgary is a spe- bit of a special case. For people that don't really know Calgary geographically, it's kind of the equivalent of Houston, Texas. It's the oil epicenter of the country. It's redneck, uh, capital of, of Canada. The denim tuxedo is the standard uh, attire there. And uh, Calgary, the capital city of that province, a.k.a. state, has now made it illegal. You can be fined $10,000 if you show up to protest or object to an alphabet soup event uh, in any capacity. You can go to jail for that. Um, they have uh, now determined that city councillors on the uh, 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 city council must take mandatory re-education training so that they can be socially acceptable in their policymaking making. <laughs> Um, they just arrested two individuals in calgary who were on the transit system on their way to the one million march for kids were arrested for having a discussion of said event for wrong think on the public transit system and the police will not articulate what crime they committed but they're going to jail
1: <laughs> i have to ask you what what, what are people saying Or is everybody, because you're all being surveilled anyway, because you're like a mini China, uh, all the cameras everywhere watching your every move, what do people say? Is everybody like, this is nutty? What has happened to our country? We need a revolution? Or is it sort of like clone troopers operating on the same homing device?
4: This is where it gets a little bit depressing and scary, actually. Uh, we've been so busy fighting up here and screaming and screaming and screaming. We haven't really seen the extent of how, uh, how solidly or how they've closed the box on us. Um, with You guys have heard about the censorship with no news links being allowed to share in Canada. Well, that extends to podcasters and everything else. So I watched a video the other day that really rocked me. Uh, a fella here in Canada checked all of the news pages that he used to, to check, uh, couldn't get nothing, drove five minutes across the border into Detroit and opened up every news article that he was not allowed to see in Canada. So this really makes me wonder how much people are actually able to, to speak or discuss about things because when I look at my social media platforms, they are retroactively to this point. They're taking me back to twenty nineteen before uh-huh. I even started my platform. They have removed seventy percent of my content. I am not allowed to share or discuss anything. There is no links. If I try to share a link to my news site, to my website or anything like that, it's deemed spam. I am removed and punished. Uh, so as far as for discussion, I think it's getting more and more limited all the time. And at the same time, Justin Trudeau has successfully alienated every English-speaking country on the planet, uh, thinking that Canada is a laughingstock. Who is going to listen to Canadians scream even if our voice gets out?
1: What are you going to do? I mean, is is Canada done? Has, you know, has, I, has he done it in, like, honestly?
4: It, it does point with the coalition between the NDP and uh, Trudeau it's going to be nearly impossible to break this coalition so he's got another year and a half left on this and this is why the mad dash to implement all of these totalitarian closures. Um, Canada is on the verge of being as locked down as North Korea next to you guys in the longest unprotected border in the world. And this guy has uh, been nothing but a welcome mat for every radical, every jihadist, every terrorist uh, has uh, been made and given a government-funded home in Canada. I would almost bet that there is probably more radical Palestinians in Canada than there is left in Palestine, and I wish that wasn't such a significant statement. But I think that we are all out of time for dancing around some of the, these subjects. Justin Trudeau's brother was a chief propaganda minister for Iran when Iran shot down that airliner full of people. Justin Trudeau went over there and bowed and kissed the hand of the mullah and apologized. Uh, this is this is your neighbor, guys, and, and I don't know if uh, there is. ability to save Canada in its current form. I've never been through a country devolving and uh, disassembling, uh, but every time I look at what happened to Venezuela, I only see that happening here. I don't know what it's going to look like when it comes apart, but I don't see any ability to stop it at this point in time. When When they signed the USMCA and gave the American government the opportunity to persecute organized crime in Canada, I had hope. You got Biden. You can't. You can't prosecute organized crime in your own country. No one's even listening to Canada, and Canada has been the facilitator for all of the organized crime in the United States.
1: I got forty-five seconds, Wayne. Do you have the ability to get out?
4: Questionable at this point in time. Why? Uh, the uh, without going into personal details of uh, all those kinds of things, at this point, any minor transgression that you have had against the government or the law in your lifetime is now uh, justification to keep you contained. So if you <laughs> if you were a dumb kid once upon a time, you may not get out of Canada. I have not tried, but uh, this is uh, some of the things that I have in others encountering and trying to uh get themselves out so for me if i'm gonna make that try it's gonna be a hail mary all in or nothing no going back if i do it i love you
1: absolutely love you my friend i've missed your voice thank you for your truth and uh you've got our prayers love so talk to you soon all right ladies and gentlemen when we come back on the wendy bell radio program you know the ufc i don't get it i don't get it dana white right and calling your people stupid is really stupid that's next on the wendy bell radio program man they still do not get it i i I really don't understand how people are not reading the room i used to have a news director in television he was a good guy except he had a very volatile temper and I told him once, I said, you know what, I need to know, you need to put a barometer outside your office so everybody knows the vibe they're going to get when they come in. Are you going to be fair and calm or are you going to be an absolute lunatic? So you got to be able to read the room, read people, right? Dana White needed to read the room before he said $100 million from Anheuser-Busch for Bud Light to be the official sponsor of the UFC for the next X number of years, 10 years, whatever it is. Not a good idea. All you have to do is float a little bit of this on, on social media. You can take a, a, a poll of people at one of your events. What do you think about this? Well, we don't really care. We want to do this anyway. How about this? UFC fans threatened to boycott the sport after it's announced $105 million Bud Light sponsorship deal. I guess it's $105 million this year. What? Supporters continue to fume at the beer company for using trans activist Dylan Mulvaney in an advertising campaign. In the world of how not to do stuff, focus Anheuser-Busch. Right. And I had a, sp- a soft spot having time in, in Missouri and in St. Louis and Kansas City, meeting my husband in St. Louis, reporting there in that beautiful gateway city. Spending so many time, so much, so much time at Grant's Farm, which is part of the property of the Bush family. Right. You guys didn't get it. How can you be so disconnected? How can you be so disconnected from the core people who use your brand. Did you not think about this at all? And then UFC's Dana White. The chief. Right? Saying, calling his followers and fans stupid. For this partnership. Or for, for disagreeing with this partnership deal. Here's your story. Growing calls from UFC supporters. To boycott the sport. After the brand announced a new majority sponsorship deal. With Bud Light. The brewer was formerly the number one best-selling beer, da-da-da-da-da, then got involved with the tranny, yada-yada. UFC's multi-year deal with Bud Light is reportedly worth over $87 million per year. Those are pounds. This is a British publication. And sees the two organizations reunite with each other after Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light were the sport's original beer sponsors more than a decade ago. However, this renewed partnership, not a lot of kumbaya, has sparked outrage from some sections of the UFC's dedicated community who believe Bud Light is trying to regain their previous reputation by returning to the sport.
4: I think that he made a business decision. <laughs> of course. And of course. now this is truly how <laughs> Budweiser is paying up because they probably wouldn't have to pay as much now or pay as much before the Dylan situation. So, so they're paying. are so you're they're saying taking it.
1: Basically, okay. I don't understand what that means.
4: So he's capitalizing on their unfortunate decisions of in course. the past, and it's bad credit.
1: But uh, yeah, but here's the problem: regardless of the business deals, the machinations of it, fans are pissed. Excuse my language. They're yeah, ticked off.
0: Yeah, but th- <laughs> realistically, there be. I kind of think. I don't really care. I don't look at the sport and say, oh, wow, I'm going to buy Bud Light now because they sponsor this.
1: No, but I will not go to a UFC match. I will not sponsor it on a pay-per-view, whatever. I will not go see it because of it. I will do that.
4: Well, that $100 million is going to cover everybody that doesn't.
1: Slamming the sponsorship announcement on Twitter, one critic said, I've been a loyal 30-year fan since UFC won. But in 2024, I will no longer watch or purchase UFC events. The deal with Bud Light is a deal breaker for me. This is the barometer. This is not complicated, right? So Dana White is bargaining that the hundred plus million dollars is going to offset the people who are ticked off. And that hopefully people will just move along. I submit to you and and ultimately come back to the brand after, after this is over. I submit to you that the Bud Light name is the ultimate scarlet letter. Absolutely not. Another unimpressed viewer added UFC announces Bud Light as its official beer in partnership with Anheuser-Busch. Hashtag boycott UFC, go woke, go broke. Now, I will say it certainly does not help. When Dana White calls upset fans dummies, a-holes, and effing stupid.
0: I think that's worse than
4: the Bud Light.
1: Right. That's called really, really, super califragilistically, expialidociously not reading the room. So we're gonna we're gonna foist upon you who've created our brand, who have created our success, an undue partnership with something that you guys don't like, and we're gonna tell you, suck it up, buttercup. I don't care because I got paid. And then when fans say, um, Yeah, no, you're going to call them effing stupid. Hmm. Well, it's not like that language is unfamiliar to the sport, right? It's going to be very interesting to watch what goes on here. How are they going to suffer? What will the numbers be? I don't care about UFC. I enjoy watching it from 30,000 feet. All right, so we have something important coming up, and I hope you guys will stay tuned through the, through, the whole show. Because we have a good news that Brock says is lovely. We have also important sound from John Kirby that you need to hear regarding retaliation against Syria for the rocket and missile strikes on our troops in the Middle East. Before that, though, I want you to hear from our national security expert John Guandolo. He is gonna be talking to us about the residual fallout. We all knew it was coming of this open border. In the people who are coming across who hate America and what we all need to do to be on high alert. It's not alarmism. It's called prepping. And we're going to do it next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program.